I found uh, myself this week reflecting on a uh, Game of Thrones. Now, you may not spend much time reflecting on a game, game of Thrones, and I don't either, but um, I, was, I was called to uh, think about that because of the gospel lesson uh, that Andy just read. The Game of Thrones is, uh, is, uh, is essentially about uh, a contest among seven families, seven kingdoms, uh, for the, the, the crown jewel, which is the Iron Throne, which is the symbol of overall uh, overall uh, uh, power in this uh, in this mythical kingdom. I am not a fan. I have to say, I am not a fan of Game of Thrones. It was just a couple years ago. I began to wonder what the excitement was all about, and so I looked at a few episodes. Um, perhaps, perhaps you are. Perhaps you're, if you're not, don't bother. Uh, if you if you are, that's great because it's a it's it's a compelling story. It's a story where absolutely every character is at least partially and usually entirely self-interested. So it's kind of a morality, well, an immorality play. The only, as far as I could tell, the only um, character who is unambiguously good is murdered in the first season and never heard from again. It's a, so, so why does that tie into the story of the beheading of John? Well, it's the, it seemed to me to be much the same. There's this opulent palace with dancing girls and, and murderous intent. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same story. Um, and, and I want you to, I, I find this story to be completely out of place in the, in the Gospels. It just doesn't fit right. First of all, gospel, the Bible generally does not do flashbacks. It's all about the future. It's all about God's coming kingdom. It's never about what happened yesterday. Uh, secondly, Mark is the most economical writer in the, gospel, in the Bible, certainly the most economical of the evangelists. Uh, you can read, you know this already, you can read the Gospel of Mark in an hour and a half. It's the shortest, uh, the earliest written, the shortest, the most to the point. Mark doesn't mince words. He covers the, uh, for example, he covers the temptation in the wilderness in two verses. Uh, but this story about the beheading of John takes 14, 13 or 14 verses to, uh, to tell. So it's a, it's a puzzlement in a way. I guess we could look at it as a morality play. John's the good guy. John represents goodness. Um, Herod represents ambiguity. Herod wrestles with what is good and what is not good. Herodias is evil. Same thing as it was with Adam and Eve, of course. It's always the woman's fault. And the dancing girl is simply an implement of, the, of her mother's will. Uh, this Herod, just so you know, this Herod is uh, uh, Herod Antipater, who was the son of Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great was the Herod who was around when Jesus was born, was part of the birth narrative, uh, and was responsible for the slaughter of the innocents uh, uh, at, uh, at the time of the birth of uh, Jesus. Herod the Great was a terrible man. The, the, even for his time, he was, he was just awful. 
Uh, he had somewhere around 10 wives and a, an unknown number of children, some of whom he executed because he was always afraid they were plotting against him, which they probably were. His son, Herod, this Herod, um, uh, wasn't the same, wasn't cut necessarily of the same cloth. And, and he was allowed to be, uh, he wasn't a king, he was called a tetrarch, which, is, which means he had a fourth of the kingdom that Herod had. And he was allowed to be there only because he curried favor with Rome. The Romans allowed him to sort of tax the people who lived in that area. Uh, and that gave him a certain amount of power and in, money, power and influence. Uh, but he wasn't well liked. He was actually not, he was a Nabataean. He wasn't really a pure stock and he married a Samaritan. Uh, uh, the uh, the uh, Samaritan marriage didn't last, as we know. And, uh, and uh, so today's story unfolds because uh, John the Baptist took exception to the way he treated his first wife uh, and uh, married his brother's wife, uh, uh, all of it in uh, contravention of the, of the law. We know this story because we know uh, the one Oscar Wilde wrote. Uh, Oscar Wilde wrote a play called Salome, um, which was turned into a, uh, an opera, of course, uh, by Richard Strauss. And, um, and so we know that story. Uh, interestingly, um, in that story, the, uh, the, the dancing girl is Salome, and we know about the Dance of the Seven Veils, I suppose, because of that. In, this, in the Gospel version, it's, not, it's Herodias, daughter of Herodias. They all, they all, were, all the men were either Herod, or uh, most of the men were Herod, and most of the women were Herodias in that family. Uh, in that family. So we could see this as a, mor a, a morality play. You, you sort of uh, uh, see what all the figures are up to, uh, decide who's good and who's bad, and, and who should we emulate and who, who should we not emulate. I, I, think, I think that's uh, not it, however. I think that's too easy. Uh, part of it, uh, what we have to do to really understand this, I think, is to uh, consider its context. In fact, I suppose that's always true, isn't it? We rip these stories out of the gospel and, and uh, therefore out of their context, and so that sometimes, uh, maybe often, deprives them of a larger meaning. In this case, what immediately follows the uh, uh, story of the beheading of John is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And so in a sense, Mark may be saying, there's two banquets here. Which one would you prefer? There's the banquet in the palace of Herod with, that is opulent uh, and evil. And there's the banquet on the hillside of Galilee, populated by the people of the land, the Amharats, the people of the land, the ordinary folks. Not the special folks, but everyday folks. The banquet in the palace is built around fear, power, prestige. The banquet on the hillside is built around abundance and compassion and concern. So maybe what Mark is saying is, yeah, sometimes the world is pretty messy. Sometimes 
there are people who, who are entirely evil, whose intentions are evil. But that's not the whole story, because there's also another story. There's another way, another way of life, which is in fact life-giving and not evil, but filled with compassion and mercy and love. And I guess that is the point of the story for us. The world is messy. I guess that's what's attractive about the Game of Thrones, is that it, it somehow reminds us of all of the worst instincts that we can sink to as human beings. And when we see it around us, we can say, well, that's just the way people are. Maybe that's, maybe that's the appeal. I don't, I don't know. But that's not who we are. That's not who we are as Christian people, as people of the way. I think you know that the early Christians called themselves the people of the way, and the way was the way of Jesus, living in the way that Jesus taught us to live. And so maybe this story of the beheading of John the dancing girls in the palace of Herod, followed by the Sermon on the Mount, uh, sorry, the um, feeding of the 5,000, says to us there's more than the Iron Throne. There's more to life than just survival or even success. The message from Jesus through Mark is there's much more to life than we can ever imagine. Mark was writing at a terrible time. The temple had been destroyed. There had been persecutions in Rome. The original disciples were mostly gone, mostly from violent, mostly meant violent deaths. It was a terrible time. And so maybe he was saying to the people that even though the times are terrible, that's not the whole story. That's not the end of it. The temple may be destroyed, or we may have had to lose a friend, or we may have said something to a child we wish we had back, or we may have lost someone very close to us in death. But that's not the whole story. That's not the end of it. It's not all there is. The, the, the message of Christ is that there is always renewal, always replenishment, always new nourishment, always a new life. Every dead end has a door somewhere. Every blind alley is simply a, the occasion for another start. And in walking in this way doesn't solve all the problems of the world, but it does lead to a life that is harmonious. A life that is filled with joy and contentment, notwithstanding what's happening in Herod's palace. It's the message we need to hear all the time. 
It's not magic. It's not superstitious. It's simply just walking in the way of Christ. As Paul wrote to the, said when he wrote to the Ephesians, glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. Glory to God in, from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forevermore. Amen.